Bow with me if you would. I want to just uh, ask the Lord in prayer this morning. Heavenly Father, I, I ask this morning while we're here together, this afternoon, while we're here, that I ask you for two things today. Uh, for these group of young people, Lord, I ask that there would be an anointing upon them, upon them uh, to hear. And I also ask, Lord, that, um, that you would, uh, in their life, each and every life, Lord, that, that you would impart to them not only the word that's heard, Lord, but the power that is behind that word. Let, let, let there be an empowerment, Lord. Let there be uh, revelation to each and every one of them, Father, I pray in Jesus' name. Uh, you know, I've been thinking, uh, I was here for the week of prayer. There were some meetings that I was able to make and some that I were not. And uh, it was just amazing to me how there, the Lord just brought some really fantastic stuff. And, and uh, so many different speakers said so much. I, I was very inspired by what we had to hear and, and uh, the way that they presented it. And, uh, but even more than that, as I was listening to them speak, I was watching how you as students were responding to it. And it was, a, it was, it was I could see that you were just, you know, you were sucking it in. You were actually, um, I, I felt like I could actually see you just like a sponge taking in all that was said. And some of the stuff that we heard was just absolutely fantastic. Uh, I remember um, when uh, Brother Ham was sharing, uh, David, um, and some of the things that he talked about, uh, crossing the switchblade. And uh, when, I was, when I was saved back in 1973, uh, there's, the first thing that I did was a friend of mine who um, has two doctorates. He was a graduate of Nyack College. And uh, went on, and and, uh, and I believe that he had a doctorate by before he was 25 or 24, or 25, and he's gone on and on and on, and uh, and he's also a medical doctor. And I remember when I first got saved, he was kind of like like uh, most of the group that we hung around with. A lot of them were into sports, and they were into a lot of different things. But this kid just loved to read. I mean, he loved to read, and so. There was three books that he gave to me to read when I got saved. One of them uh, was Through Gates of Splendor. Some of you might know about that book, and it was the story um, of uh, Jim and Elizabeth Elliot. Uh, they, went to, uh, they were graduates of Wheaton College. Not only that, they were at Wheaton College, I believe. Uh, I could be wrong, but I believe that they were there at the same time that Billy Graham was at Wheaton. And uh, they felt... Uh, a call to ministry, not only that, but they felt a call to the mission field, and they ended up that uh, Jim Elliott, not his wife at first, but Jim Elliott and uh, uh, several other missionaries, they went to Ecuador and uh, tried to reach out to a group uh, uh, of, of Indians, of Aka Indians. They tried to reach out to them with the gospel, and uh, they were violently murdered while they were there. And long story short, Elizabeth Elliot, through the grace and the mercy and just a powerful move of God in her life and the wives of some of the other missionaries went back to Ecuador and led a number of these people that killed their husbands, that murdered them, and led them to Christ. If you've never read the book, 
you really need to, it's called Through Gates of Splendor. The second book I read was Back to Freedom and Dignity by Francis Schaeffer, which was a, a, a little booklet about this big that was in response to uh, uh, behaviorism that was written by a guy named B.F. Skinner that wrote three volumes like this. Um, and, and it was called um, Beyond Freedom and Dignity. Basically, a very secular and uh, some, somewhat, um, uh, in my opinion, uh, uh, anti-Christian in many ways, anti-God in many ways, talking about behaviorism. And Francis Schaeffer, uh, a Christian, de devoted, committed Christian, wrote a little pamphlet about this big, this big called Back to Freedom and Dignity and just absolutely made those three volumes look like they were nothing. I mean, he just, he just, God gave him revelation, and he was such a smart, smart, smart man, uh, critical thinking, um, and he just, he just wrote in response to that. It was a fantastic book, and the third one that I wrote was Cross and the Switchblade, and not only did it, ins it inspired me uh, reading it, I, I felt, I cried almost every chapter reading about Nikki Cruz, and, and uh, all of you that heard Brother David uh, and, and, I, and it made me cry and, and to realize that how, how could God take uh, uh, someone like that and bring him into a situation like that he, he was put into? And, uh, and what was it that motivated him? What was it that inspired him to want to, to, to leave the comforts of Pennsylvania and his family and, and, uh, and a, comfort, uh, a very comforting, loving church? What would, what would drive him to do that? to go and put himself in that situation. And uh, I'm glad David spoke of some of the... Uh, I, I've met Nikki Cruz. I've also... Uh, I have met uh, Brother Wilkerson. And, and it's amazing to me that, that he told some of the things that you don't hear about in the book or from other people that weren't close to that situation. But David Wilkerson got the snot knocked out of him a few times. I mean, you know, powerful. And... Uh, I, I, I stop to think about that sometimes. I'm like, you know, if, if you were asked uh, to preach the gospel and, and to go in situations like, can you imagine somebody slapping you across the face as hard as they can? You see, sometimes the realities of, of what happened in the Bible and the realities of the, and the stories uh, of those in the Bible that, that we read about, the heroes of faith and those who stood in the midst of of uh, calamity in the midst of uh, danger, how courageous and how bold that they were. And so during the work of prayer, I sensed some of these, that kind of thing going through my mind, and, and it continued to inspire me, it stirred me up and encouraged me. And uh, most of all, what it did was help me to clarify, and that's what I'm hoping to do uh, this morning, is to clarify with, to you um, what was God's purpose in all of this? When you read the book of Acts, what was God's purpose in all this? So if you wouldn't mind, I'd like to have you, if you have your Bibles with you, turn to uh, Acts chapter 1, if you have your phone. And I'd like to just read here in chapter 1. I'm going to read out of the J.B. Phillips translation. One of the reasons why is because I had a very a fantastic Bible teacher when I first got saved that gave me this translation. 
And man, I just couldn't put it down. I loved reading it. My dear Theophilus, in my first book, I gave you some account of all that Jesus began to do and teach until the time of his ascension. Before he ascended, he gave his instructions through the Holy Spirit to the, to, uh, the special messengers of his choice. For after his suffering, he showed himself alive to them in many convincing ways and appeared to them repeatedly over a period of 40 days, talking with them about the affairs of the kingdom of God. On one occasion, while he was eating a meal with them, he emphasized that they were not to leave Jerusalem, but to wait for the Father's promise. You've already heard me speak about this, he said, for John used to baptize with water, but before many days are passed, you will be baptized with the Holy Spirit. This naturally brought them all together, and they asked him, Lord, is this the time when you are going to restore the kingdom to Israel? To this he replied, you cannot know times and dates which have been fixed by the Father's authority, but you, and listen to me, but you are to be given power when the Holy Spirit has come to you. You will be witnesses to me, not only in Jerusalem, not only throughout Judea, not only in Samaria, but to the very ends of the earth. I have been thinking so much lately about this whole idea of evangelism and evangelizing and sharing our faith with people. I, I, actually, um, I actually had something that happened to me a few weeks ago that helped to spur some of this on. But more than that, I want you to also concentrate on what's being said here in the Word of God. Because we as charismatics, Pentecostals, maybe you don't put yourself in that group, but we do put ourselves in that group of being spirit-filled people. And, and, and here it says, it doesn't say that, uh, that but you are to be given power when the Holy Spirit has come to you so that you can speak in tongues. You know, we, that's the first thing we think of when we think about the baptism of the Holy Spirit. But the thing to me that, that, that God wants to stress to those of us who are filled and get filled with the Holy Spirit is that you will be witnesses to me. God has filled them, filled these saints with the Holy Spirit so that they could be witnesses, so that they could go and share the faith that they have in the Lord Jesus Christ and all that he's done for the gospel. He filled them for the sake of the gospel. Several weeks ago, I was, uh, and bear with me, I'm, 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 I'm not, I don't want to be long, but... Um, when you receive power, when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, you will be my witnesses. Uh, a few Saturdays ago, every Saturday, uh, I go to a place called Elpco where I take my garbage because I'm really just too cheap to want to pay for them to pick it up at my house. So I try to save a little bit of money, and it costs me about a third of what it does. And I also do the grocery shopping. I love grocery shopping. And uh, I probably spend 20 15% more than my wife would but she enjoys having me do that, and I enjoy doing it. So uh, I'm on my way to Elpco, which is the dump. So I got my car loaded with, with uh, garbage. And, of course, the first thing you do is you go to the dump because you don't want to go get your groceries when you got, when you got garbage in the car. So, so it's about five miles away. So, so I had, and uh, about a, a mile away is, is a little convenience store. And... Uh, 
And I get to there, and like most every week, I think of something to stop for in that little convenience store. Um, you know, Snickers bar. Or, or usually 90% of the time, it's something I absolutely do not need. But I wanted to just get a bottle of water, just a simple bottle of ice cold water. So I walk in the store, and there's a line of about 8 to 10 people. And I'm like, oh, man, I just want a bottle of water, you know. And here at the, at the cashier, everybody else behind him, here is this guy that, that probably you could probably put in, in, in the category of unlovely. Uh, it, it was an older gentleman, and he's up there waving these scratch-off tickets, and he's, and he's saying, I, I'm 81 years old today. Happy birthday to me. And he's got like probably $30, $40 worth of these scratch-off tickets, and he's waving them, and, he, and he's talking to everybody in the line, and everybody's like being as patient as they possibly could be. I was being the most patient of anyone because I was at the end of the line. I just want a bottle of water. So he was going on, and he was real scruffy looking. He was probably, you know, a good 70, 80 pounds overweight. He had on jeans that were dirty with suspenders with all one off and one on. And uh, I don't know, I think you might be able to uh, put him in the category of an unlovely type of person. But, uh, and so, so he finally gets through the line, and everybody else, I get my bottle of water, and uh, and so I walk out, and when I walk out, I'm, my car is right here, and the van that he's driving, which looks a lot like he looked, is right next to it. He's got the window all the way down, and it just so happens that I had my window down. And, uh, and so he's like waving to me, how you doing, everything. He said, come on over here, young man. And I go over there, and he's like, I'm 81 years old today. I'm going to win the lottery. That way I don't have to work ever, ever, ever again. Not that I work that much now. And he's going on and on and talking to me, talking to me, on and on. And I'm like, I just want to go to Elko and get rid of my garbage, you know. And, and, uh, and so he looks at me and, uh, and just keeps talking and talking and talking. So finally I said, well, thank you. God bless you. Happy birthday. I got to go. So I get in my car. And as soon as I get in my car, something happened to me that does not ordinarily happen all the time. I'm just being truthful with you. But the Holy Spirit spoke to me. Almost in what I sensed to be an audible voice, but it was definitely in my mind and in my heart, I heard, I heard the Holy Spirit say, I want you to talk to him about Jesus. And I'm like, there's a lot. You want me to talk to him about Jesus? Okay. I said, I just stood there for 10 minutes. And, and, in, and in his van, he's got this big Tonka uh, truck that's got a shovel on it. And he's got it glued to the dash, this big, because that's what he did for a living. And, 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 so, I, and, and so I said, well, this, I, this can't, that can't be God, you know. And I, so I got in my car while I was in my car, but I left. And about three, maybe three and a half miles away is where the garbage place is. And I left. And uh, the conviction that came over me, and I drove, without talking to the Lord, I drove all the way to Elbco. And when I get to Elbco, the line's like out into the road with cars. And, uh, and so I'm like, Lord, I am so sorry. I really miss this. I missed it big time. 
And I felt like the Lord said to me, turn around and go back. I'm like, well, he's not going to be there. It's been a good, you know, 15, 20 minutes. He's not going to be there. So I'm like, you know what? I, this must be God. Turned the car around, went all the way back to that little convenience store, and I pulled in, and don't you know, there's a perfect parking spot right next to his van. So I pull back in there, and I get out of the car, and I go over, and I begin to talk to him and talk to him about Jesus. And one of the things I did ask for on the way back from Elko is, Lord, could you give me a confirmation that this is you? Because, you know, sometimes you can, your head will tell you things or circumstances or whatever. And, uh, and I did that. The Lord said, well, he's going to talk to you about being in church when he was a little boy. And so I go up to the window and I tell him, sir, I said, you know, I had to come back here. I was on my way to Elko. And, uh, you know, he's in there scratching off tickets, scratching off tickets. And, and I had to come back here because, because Jesus told me to come back here and tell you about him and how much he loves you and what he's done for you. And he looks at me, still scratch, he looks at me and he goes, well, you know, I went to church when I was a little boy. And so I just began to pour out to him the gospel, how much God loved him. Um, and I'll be very honest with you, I didn't end up praying with him or leading him to the Lord. But that experience began to, to, to say something to me. When I was saved, I wouldn't let anybody get away from hearing my testimony, my story, my witness about Jesus. I would preach to mannequins if they would listen. And most of them did. They had no choice. And that's the truth. I'm not exaggerating. I, I witnessed to everybody. I went into the bars. I went, into, I went to concerts. Uh, I went to an Eric Clapton concert and, uh, and, and <sighs> drugs and, and, you know, scantily clothed women. And I could go on and on and on. But long story short, I'm there and I'm like, why are... Why am I here? Why would you want me here? And just when I said that, right in front of me, here's this young lady. She just collapses on the ground, overdosing on a drug, you know. I ended up, having, ended up helping and being able to, to share a little bit with the people that were involved in that whole scene, you know. So I just recently wrote something on Facebook. Sometimes I write things on there I wish I could take back. But being that I'm who I am, uh, I wrote on there, you know, not all of us are called to be evangelists. But we are all called to evangelize. Every single one of us is called to preach and to share the gospel of Jesus Christ. You don't have to be an evangelist to do that. <clears throat> Turn me, if you would, to the book of Philippians. These are two of the things that God has been speaking to me about. One, being a witness. And then I want to read to you, if I could, from Philippians chapter 1. I'm going to read the whole thing. I feel sometimes like we don't read enough scripture in the church. But Paul and Timothy, servants of Jesus Christ, to the bishops, deacons, and all true Christians at Philippi, grace and peace from God our Father and Jesus Christ the Lord. 
I thank my God for you Christians at Philippi. Whenever I think of you, my constant prayers for you are a real joy. For they bring back to my mind how we have worked together for the gospel from the earliest days until now. I feel sure that one who has begun his good work in you will go on developing it until the day of Jesus Christ. I have held on to that promise for 40 years. He who has begun a good work in you will finish it to the end. It is only natural that I should feel like this about you all. You are very dear to me. For during the time I was in prison, as well as when I was out defending and demonstrating the power of the gospel, we shared together the grace of God. God knows how much I long with the deepest Christian love and affection for your companionship. My prayer for you is that you may, uh, that you may have still more love, a love that is full of knowledge and wise insight. I want you to be able to recognize the highest and the best and to live sincere and blameless lives until the day of Christ. I want to see your lives full of true goodness produced by the power that Jesus Christ gives you to the praise and glory of God. Now, concerning myself, I want you to know, my brothers, that what has happened to me has an effect. And when it says that, it means that it's had an effectiveness. It's, it's done something in my life that, that, that cannot be denied. He says, in effect, it turned out to the advantage of the gospel. Everything that goes on in our life, the good, the bad, and even sometimes the ugly. I could share some ugly with you. I could definitely share some bad, but there's a lot of good. The good, the bad, and the ugly. And, and, and what happens in all of that is that we need to keep in mind, while you're here at Elam, and, and of course, during the entire week of prayer, we heard so much about being here at Elam and, and, and why and how and who and, and great messages. I mean, just bombarded by it. But I want to say to you this morning, here is my message. Everything you do, whether it's here or when you leave, let it be for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. That is the only thing that, in my opinion, makes it all worth it. I have kept in my mind since the day I was saved that everything that goes on in my life and everything that happens, uh, it's for one thing that is the most important. Sure, there are other things that happen. Um, uh, married 45 years, three sons I raised. Uh, uh, we lost one of our sons. Uh, we've gone, I, I've been a senior pastor, junior pastor, assistant pastor, you name it, I've done, I ran youth camps up and down the, I've done so many different things, but it always in the back of my mind and in my heart, I've had to remind myself everything that God is doing in my life, everything that he has called me to is for the furtherance of the gospel of Jesus Christ. There's two different ways that we hear from God. One of them is by the written word. That's called the Logos. 
And believe me, I'm not a teacher, so I'm not going to go into it. That's, that's, all, that's all I know, and that's all I need to know. The written word is the logos. And then there is what they call the rhema. And the rhema word is when, when God speaks to you specifically to your heart. He speaks to you personally. And I, and I believe with all of my heart that you will always, if you listen to the Holy Spirit, you will always know the voice of God that he is saying to you no matter what you do, no matter where you go, no matter what your experience, you will always hear him say that which is written actually is a rhema word for you throughout your entire life. And that is to further the gospel, preach the gospel, share your story, share, be a witness, be a witness of what God has done in your life. And you do not have to be a professional to do that. On the contrary, maybe besides the Apostle Paul and and others, look at the people that he chose to be apostles. Look at their lives. Some of them were a bunch of beer-drinking, carousing, filthy-talking people with vocations that probably if we had to choose, we never would have chose them. Can't, can't be, can't choose them. Fishermen, they stink. They stink. But look at the ones that Jesus went to. Because he saw something deep down in their heart. He saw that these are men and women that will, throughout their life, and as they learn of me, and as they're around me, they will grab a hold of something, they will grab a hold of a revelation that the most important thing that they will do for the rest of their life is to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. The gospel is the only thing that can change a man. It's the only thing that can change a man's heart. It's the only thing that can change a nation. The gospel of Jesus Christ. The good news. The good news. And you know, it's amazing. I was just, I was looking just recently at, at John the Baptist and, and the message that he had, the message of repentance. And, and, and you know, I came to the conclusion and through reading and seeing some stuff and asking God as reading, and when, while reading the scriptures, you know, John the Baptist had to go. How many of you know that? He had to go. You know why? Because he had a very difficult time making the transition from his message to Jesus' message. He was there to prepare the way, and so he preached repentance. How we preach repentance as believers, as Christians, born again by the Spirit of God is quite different than in many ways you know, I hear people say all the time, you know, we people need to repent. They need to re- people do need to repent. Repent simply means you're going to turn and go the other direction, but it's a different type of repentance that Jesus preached than what John the Baptist preached. I believe John the Baptist was probably the last real prophet. And so he had to go because Jesus wanted those who he knew and he talked to and he preached to and he taught Those who he chose to be his own. Those who he chose to be the closest to him. He wanted them to understand what the gospel really meant. What was the good news? The good news. What was the gospel? 
And so that's what he poured out into those that followed him. So I want to say, in, when the lame are healed, it's to further the gospel. When the blind see, it's to further the gospel. It's not to start a ministry. It's not to take big offerings. It's not to make, make, build big buildings. Now, I'm not telling you that those things are all wrong, but what I am saying to you is this. When all of that takes place, when you look at the life of Paul, the Apostle Paul, the beatings that he took, and, and, and you know, people make, it's hard to relate to that. It's hard to relate to the fact that, especially as Americans, that, 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 that somebody could, you could look at somebody and preach the gospel and they could slap you as hard as they could across the face. Might not be so hard to understand coming from Poland. Might not be so hard to understand coming from a third world country. Where you're not going to go to jail for something like that. When there's prophecy, when God speaks, it's for the sake of the gospel. When the dead are raised, it's for the sake of the gospel. It's for the furtherance of the gospel. That's what it's meant for. That's why the power of God. It says when the power of God came through the Holy Spirit, they were witnesses. That was the dynamic of the Spirit of God falling on people's lives. That you might have the power, the unction, whether you're a guy or a girl, whether you're timid or whether you're bold or whether you're courageous or not. It doesn't matter. When the Holy Spirit is in your life, it comes into your life, the power that he brings to you is that you might further the gospel of Jesus Christ. That's what you have been called to. I don't care if it's for a bachelor's degree, a master's degree, or a doctorate. Everything that you, any of those things are for, if they're not for this reason, it's the wrong reason. And that is, it's for the furtherance of the gospel. When you receive what you receive from this school, don't you ever forget that the reason that you have it is so that you can further the gospel of Jesus Christ. So that you can use whatever it is that you get, whatever you gain, can be used for the gospel and for his glory. And then secondly and quickly here, I'll, I'll close, it's 12 o'clock. Don't forget during all of this that there's an urgency. Don't forget there's an urgency. We are living in times like no other. The only other times are like during Noah's time. And there's a number of other things that talks about. But the fact of the matter is, you, listen to me, you, I don't care who you are in this room, you are called to further the gospel of Jesus Christ. May God give us revelation and, and, and may we understand the power that he brings to us with the Holy Spirit that we can be a witness no matter where we go or, or who we're around. Be a witness for Jesus Christ and the gospel. Amen.